So I think it's worth saying, um, even if it feels like the most obvious cliched thing by now, that the last 12 months has been a hugely challenging time. And none of us would have chosen what has happened. It wasn't on our radar. It wasn't on our wish list at the start of 2020, a pandemic. And, you know, and even this time last year, so what, six weeks into the lockdown, you know, I... Maybe you found yourself like us sort of at this point last year, sort of saying, well, you know, this has been really hard, but at least we're heading into the summer. Um, just imagine if we were all facing this in the middle, middle of winter. Um, so I just want to you know, recognize that for, for us, perhaps for you too, this year has, has pushed us pretty close to the edge at times and, and slightly over the edge on occasions, to be honest. And I say that because I think there's something... In that experience, in these verses that we're looking at today, um, because the Christian faith is one of the only worldviews that is able to give some sense of meaning to suffering and the hard times in life. We see that in Jesus' experience. This morning we're back in Mark chapter 1. The reason we're doing this is really just to go back to the basics that drive the Christian faith. Who is Jesus? Uh, what's he like? What did he come to do? How's he going to do it? And then uh, in the light of all of that, who are we as his followers? What should we be like? What should we be doing? What are we called to do as the church in the world today? And these are the kind of questions that we need to be asking over the next six months or so I think, to get a sense of what God is calling us to be and to do um, as All Souls Church in this season. And uh, please don't think I know the answers to all those questions, um, that, that question, you know, and I'm standing up here and I'm going to uh, talk at you until you all agree with me or at least are just sort of numbed into going along with my grand vicarly plans. Um, it's not about that at all. This is a journey that we're being called on together as All Souls Church. And so my job, I think, is just to, to encourage and equip you to engage with that, um, to ask those questions so that we can discern together God's plans for us in the years ahead, which I'm really excited about. Does that make sense? Yeah, cool. Well, let's dive straight in. If you've, if you've got a Bible handy um, or, or, or if you've got a Bible app on your phone, um, please grab it. Please turn to Mark chapter 1. Um, we're going to be here for a few weeks, so we may as well get to know it. Now, uh, last week we looked at verses 1 to 8. This morning we're looking at verses 9 to 15. And these uh, verses kind of cover very briefly, as Mark tends to do, three important moments as Jesus comes onto the scene. And they're important because they form the foundation really for everything that's going to follow. So first we have... Jesus' baptism by John in the River Jordan. This is verses 9 to 11. And, and as he comes up out of the water, Jesus sees the divide between what's going on in the, in the heavenly realms and the earthly realms. Um, if you like, two parallel worlds torn apart and the Spirit visually descends on him like a dove and the voice of the Father speaks. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. So last week we looked at um, who Mark 
says, Mark, who wrote this, this account, who he says Jesus is, the Messiah, the Son of God. And now we're hearing directly from heaven this incredible statement about Jesus' identity, who he is, how precious he is to his Father God. You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. But then immediately, verse 12, this happens again a lot in Mark's gospel. Immediately this and immediately that. At once, the Spirit sends him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted or tested by Satan. And uh, you may be familiar with some of the other accounts. uh, Matthew and Luke both tell the story of what happens in the wilderness. Um, That that word wilderness just means a, a desolate or empty place. And the possibilities that Satan sort of dangles before Jesus, which essentially amount to tempting him to identify himself in different ways, at odds with what we've just heard the Father saying over him at his baptism. So first, uh, Satan challenges Jesus to turn some stones into bread. And in a sense, he's trying to persuade Jesus, you are what you do. Your abilities form your identity. And then he takes him to the top of a high mountain and he offers to give him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. That's in Matthew 4 verse 9. And so he's saying to Jesus, you are what you have. Your possessions define you. And then Satan says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from this high place and prove it to everyone. He's saying what matters is what people think of you. You are defined by your likes. Your popularity is what matters. You are what your ratings say you are. So you are what you do. You are what you have, and you are what others think of you. And it just strikes me that Satan's tactics have not really changed much in 2,000 years, have they? I wonder which one of those is your point of vulnerability. I am what I do. I am what I have. I am what other people think of me. Let me just take a moment just to reflect on that. Okay, so Jesus resists this attempt by Satan to redefine himself in worldly terms because he isn't defined by what he does, he isn't defined by what he has, he isn't defined by what other people think of him. He is, we saw it in verse 11, just now at his baptism, he is the son of God, loved by his father, who is well pleased with him. That's who Jesus is. That's how he's defined by his heavenly father. And what's interesting, I I think, is off the back of his baptism with the Spirit upon him and these affirming words of the Father ringing in his ears. Jesus is all set to go, isn't he? To head out on his mission. So why the detour? Why does the Spirit lead him into the wilderness to be tested? What's the value in that? And I think that's We've all asked that sort of question over the last year, the experiences that we've had. What is the value in this? What's the point? This is just really hard on so many levels. 
the disruption, the isolation, the pain, the grief, the, the damage. I remember a lot of excitement in the church at the start of 2020, a sense that God was going to do something big in the year, in the year ahead, the months ahead. There was talk of revival. I don't know if that was something that was being spoken about here. And then this all happened. And we found ourselves in the wilderness, the desolate place, literally the place of isolation. And life ground to a halt. For most of us, anyway, for others, it was a, a very busy kind of wilderness. Our gatherings were stopped, our songs were, and still are silenced. And it wasn't fun. You know, maybe if you're an extreme introvert, it was fun. Um, unless you were sort of an extreme introvert trapped in a, in a house full of people, I guess. Like Mark describes you know, Jesus in the, the wilderness in this version, surrounded by the wild animals. Parents, you know what I'm saying. The wilderness is not an easy place to be. Not for Jesus, not for us. But I wonder if in the story of Jesus in the wilderness, we've missed something of the value in the, of, of, of that time for Jesus. That the wilderness wasn't simply a kind of a, a test he had to pass or a theological point he had to prove. But like his baptism, the 40 days in the wilderness were an essential part of his preparation for everything that would follow. Because it was from the wilderness that his ministry was launched. We read in verses 14 and 15 that from here Jesus goes into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he says, the kingdom of God has come near. And if that sounds like strange language to you, when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God um, or the kingdom of heaven, he's just talking about his, his agenda, his mission, the reason he came, a demonstration of what the world would look like if people lived life his way. We're going to see what that looks like in the coming weeks with Jesus starting to bring healing to the broken and freedom from those trapped in all sorts of ways. That's his agenda. That's his kingdom. You know, and how the world, including us, needs some of that healing and freedom and wholeness right now. You know, I know I do. So what's the takeaway from this passage this morning? So obviously the wilderness time of the past year has looked quite different for each of us, according to our circumstances or our role or our job. But one thing that we have in common is, is the stripping back of, of normal life. And part of that has been a loss, an interruption of some of the things that we have allowed to define us. What we do, what we have, the affirmation that we get from being with other people. And please don't get me wrong, I'm not saying those things are, are bad things in themselves at all. Um, we were created to find purpose in our work, um, be that in employment or in the home or employment in the home now, I guess, or somewhere or something else completely. We were created for purpose. We were created, we were gifted the um, creation to enjoy and to steward. It's not wrong to delight in the things that we have. And we are relational people made in the image of a relational God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right at the start of the story. It's not good for people to be alone. It's page one of the, of the Bible, page two maybe. 
But even as we start to come out of this, this lockdown, hopefully permanently this time, I guess we'll see, I think there's an invitation for each of us to revisit and reflect on who we are and how we define ourselves. And this may, this may be the last chance we get to do that before the world returns to the kind of frantic rush of a reopened society. And I just wonder if perhaps, even if we are about to finally leave this wilderness, there's a moment to pause and to hear the voice of God, our Heavenly Father, reminding us who we really are. Through our baptism, beloved children of God, forgiven, washed clean by the blood of Jesus, inheritors together of the kingdom of God, those who have turned to Christ and the hope that's in him, which stretches beyond any lockdown or pandemic or even death itself. Because our hope isn't just about escaping the wilderness of today. It's about a vision of an eternal promised land in the presence of our loving father and living each day in his presence to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So to close, last week we talked about being who we are because of whose we are. And uh, this week, I think we see that as Jesus' friends, as his brothers and sisters, we get to identify with those same words that his heavenly father, our heavenly father, spoke over Jesus. And we can choose to let those words define us before anything else that we do or have or, uh, or what others think of us. You are his child. You are loved. With you, he is well pleased. 